0: Dismissed. (coughs) Sir? Okay, all right.
1: Chris, that last song was uh, really good. Um, In the words, it just, um, I had not planned to do this, but I'm, I'm going to anyway. I just want to share a quick testimony. Part of that song said, your goodness is running after me. Your goodness is running after me. God's goodness caught somebody last night. And that goodness was my grandson. Nine years old, he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior last night.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: God is faithful, and his goodness runs after us. And the good thing is, we can't run faster than God's goodness. Yeah. Okay? And I just wanted to share that with you, um, uh, and i got to get off the mic before I start setting a tear, mm. but God is good, and He called my grandson last night to the kingdom, and uh, it's just a great thing. So love the Lord, and His testimonies are true and faithful. Mm. Thank you. Mm.
0: Thank you, Tommy. Bless you. Bless you, bless you. Um, welcome to Christ Community Church. Shirley and I greet you in the name of our Savior, who saved Tommy's grandson, and um, And us? Yeah. And us too. And us too. Um, Real quickly, before I forget it, there are little bags back over by Turk for you to take home and put in your car and distribute to folks that might be standing on the corner and need a little word of encouragement and a little expression of love. And so uh, Jason puts these together for us to distribute. And so I hope you will do that. Um, Let's see here. Got too much going on here. Dude, I'm gonna put that right there. There you go. Uh, I have thought and thought and thought and thought about what God wanted us to talk about today, and um, I'm still not exactly sure where this is supposed to go or uh, where how it's supposed to end. But we'll just move forward and see what the Lord does. Um, I read a little article, um, I think it was this past week, and I sent it to you. Um, Somebody uh, interviewed some of the most successful people in the world and asked them regarding their rearing, their growing up, What did their parents do or what did their parents give them that was the most impactful on them becoming successful? What would they attribute their success to as it relates to their upbringing? Do you remember the three?
2: I remember the one. Okay, well... uh,
0: I wrote them down. The, the so one I, you said we were going to talk yeah, about. Well, the, uh, the one of them was, which would make my daughter very happy, empathy. Yes,
2: that's right. Um, that, that was the first growing one. Growing
0: up in a home where there is an abundance of empathy shown to one another, that's one of the qualities. It's
2: taught, too, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's taught. Not, you can, it, you can always born learn born with empathy, it. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, another one was that the parents shared in the children's interest. Whatever the kids were interested in, the parents got involved in that and owned that and participated in that. Yeah. And then the last one, I wanted to write it down so I would say it well. <clears throat> it says that they grew up in homes with parents that were optimistic Positive, hopeful, thankful, and that emphasize the good rather than the bad. I want to say it one more time. Some of the most successful people in the world said that they attributed their success to the upbringing that they received as children, and that part of that upbringing that helped them become successful was that they grew up in homes with parents that were optimistic, positive, hopeful, thankful, and that emphasized the good instead of the bad. That hit me um, in a profound way. And I hope it will in some way maybe hit you in a similar fashion. Um, My bride and I, um, one of the things we love to do is uh, we love to go down to New Orleans. It's one of our favorite American cities to visit. And uh, we try to go down once a year or so and just spend a few days. We love the the restaurants and the food and we love the music and um, we love the antique shops and the art stores. Um, we love taking walks down by the Mississippi River. Um, we, we really do enjoy going down there um, every year for a few days. It's just a it's a wonderful place for us to visit and um, I always find it interesting that when I say that to people very often somebody will respond with ooh we went to New Orleans and we hated it we did not find it enjoyable it was dirty and immoral and uh, threatening in some ways we just did not enjoy. They, they focused on the bad Instead of focusing on the good. And nothing that they said wasn't true. It can be dirty. It can be bad. <laughs> it, it can be immoral. I mean, there was nothing that was, that's ever been said as far as describing it in a negative way um, that wasn't true. It's just what hit me or what hits me when I hear that is how people can go to the same place, go through the same experience, and one person or people focus on the bad or the negative or the problems, which are real. But other people can go to the same place or go through the same experience and focus on totally different things and when we go to New Orleans, which we're going to go between Christmas and New Year, I can't wait. In fact, I want to snag her and go this afternoon, and, but she won't go. Um, so, uh, Oh,
2: I'll go. you do going to have to call. Call in.
0: <laughs> um, but how we can go and focus on the good and be blessed by that choice of what we focus on and other people can focus on bad things and they miss the blessing.
2: Well, I'm glad you use that word choice because that's where I was going, of course. It is a choice, isn't it? It is. It is a choice. How we think, what we say, the words that come out, what we view, how we view, all of it is a choice. It's ours. I mean, and there's such power in that. I love that we have choice. It's, it's, and, and, and there are... Things to be said, like, well, it's just so bad out, out in the world, or it just all you hear is the bad, and, and, and what about this, and I'm so, you know, everything's so scary. Again, <clears throat> what you view, how you view, and what you say, I should, what we say, um, and how I view it is my, mm-hmm. my active, God-given, straight out of the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. choice. Um, it's a great, there's so much power yeah, in it there's so much a great example strength in it
0: because the, the abundance of positive options and possibilities of focus they weren't overshadowed or blocked by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil it was just there was that tree and there was all these other trees and Adam and Eve, and I didn't think of it till you just said it, but how they chose which tree to focus on, and their choice of focus had a huge impact upon their future and our futures as well. Um, it's easy to miss. The blessings that God places in our lives by our choice to focus to an extreme on problems and pains and wrongs and needs in our life. I'm not in any way suggesting that the problems, the pains, the failures, the needs, the wounds aren't real. This is not a challenge for us to pretend or to live in denial um, in any way. But I was just thinking all week long about how many people in the New Testament especially when they came in contact with Jesus. They missed the opportunity to experience something incredible, something life-changing. And it wasn't that, oh, let's, let's hype up the crowd. Let's whip up the crowd. Let's do a good sales uh, uh, plan or sales pitch with the crowds to make Jesus more wonderful than he is. He's, you know, he's a nice, average, regular guy, uh, had done a lot bad, had not done that much good. But uh, man, if we really whip the crowd up and really get the word out and we really do a, a, um, a social media thing, um, we, can, we can really build his reputation and his image in the eyes of the people but for that to happen we Jesus needs our help to make him the wonderful person that we want other people to believe him to be no nobody no, Jesus never needed anybody to ma- never once did Jesus ask anybody to defend his reputation Never once did Jesus ask anybody to say big, miraculous things about him as if that would somehow make him bigger in the eyes of other people. What the New Testament, especially the Gospels, consistently testify to is how person after person after person missed... literally and truthfully the experience of a lifetime or more because they were so focused on problems that they missed the blessing and I think that happens to us every day every day um,
2: like everything else about being a human, it becomes a habit. We, the things that we do habitually then become what we do. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm constantly seeing, viewing my spouse, my children, my life, the world, the earth, in a negative view, then that, that's what I, that's it. That's, my, that's my, the glasses that I put on my face Yes. yes. To, to see it that way. But yes. again, it's choice.
0: Yes, I I jotted down some examples. Matthew fifteen, Jesus said to the religious leaders, "Y'all are so consumed about your traditions and rituals that you are blinded to what God is doing in your very midst." Very next chapter, Jesus is gets in a boat. With his disciples. Now think about that. About what? Depending, on, I don't know how a sailboat would do. Maybe an hour and a half ride across the Sea of Galilee. Can you imagine being given the opportunity to get into a boat with Jesus? And sail across the Sea of Galilee with him? They get in the boat. And they're all there whispering and, you know, you know. Did you bring some lunch? No, I thought you were going to bring the lunch. No, I thought you were going to... He's supposed to bring the lunch. Why didn't you bring the lunch? Jesus has just, in the last couple of days, fed 5,000 people and 4,000 people. And Jesus says, Guys, what are y'all whispering about? Well, somebody forgot lunch. And you can just see Jesus going, I just fed... Thousands upon thousands of people. Y'all are screwing around worrying about lunch? Who cares about lunch? We need lunch. I'll get lunch. I'm in charge of lunch. I'm actually in charge of everything. Don't worry about lunch. Let's talk. You've been given the privilege to talk to the Son of God. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Jesus said again to the uh, religious leaders in Matthew 23. Y'all are so consumed with making sure that you follow the rules that you go out in your backyard garden and you harvest your garlic and cumin and parsley and oregano and all your little uh, uh, spices and you go in and you weigh them and you make sure that you tithe your spices and while you're busy doing that you miss you miss all that God is doing in you and for you and you miss the opportunity to focus on giving justice and mercy and compassion to other people.
2: A man is healed on the Sabbath, hmm. of his blindness or the or lameness, um, healed. Lameness, lameness, <clears throat> and the first response from the human beings are, Well, now you're not supposed to do that on a Sunday.
0: Why are you carrying your
2: mat? What's that about? Yeah, it's mat carrier, <laughs> mat carrier. What's no. mm. that's it. It's just so hmm. uh, frankly, it's predictable.
0: Just people that would be, it's a great example. A man has not walked for 38 years. And everybody
2: years. knows it. They've been walking past him.
0: For 38 years, he had not taken a step. Jesus heals this man. And rather than standing there in awe, focused on the miracle that a man's life and family are being changed today forever, they focus on a mat. Disciples... I remember the story of Jesus and the disciples walk through the temple, Herod's temple. And they're all going, wow, man, look at these stones. Look at this architecture. Look at the structure. Man, isn't this impressive? And Jesus stops and says, guys, in just a couple of years, everything you see is going to be leveled to the ground, it's all going to be gone. And I think what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples there is since the Shekinah glory of God left the temple five or five hundred years earlier the glory of God had never been in that temple and now literally the incarnate Shekinah glory of God is in the temple once again through the person of Jesus Christ and y'all are, y'all, y'all are talking about rocks. And you're not, you're, you're not focusing on what is amazing. That that which you as a society have grieved over for 500 years and prayed for. It's being fulfilled in your very sight. And you're missing it. The 12 walking by the Samaritan lady. Jesus has just changed her life. The Samaritan lady's going back into town. The disciples are walking out of town carrying some lunch. They see this lady leaving Jesus. Who's she? What have they been talking about? Why is she talking to Jesus? Did she slip him some lunch? She's going to mess up everything. They miss the miracle that Jesus just changed. That lady's life. The blind man. They're walking down the road. I think, if I can remember this correctly, uh, and the disciples look at this blind dude uh, on the road, on the side of the road, begging, and they have witnessed Jesus heal hundreds of people, eyewitness, and they walk by a blind man, and the only thing they can say is. Wonder who caused that blindness. And don't you know Jesus is like, Anybody want to just ask me to heal him? Let's not worry about who caused the blindness. Uh, Anybody want me just just ask me? Ask me and I will, which he did. But nobody even thought about the person. How many times do we pull up to a street corner? And there's somebody on the corner begging. And rather thinking, wonder who that person's mom is? Wonder if he has any siblings? Wonder if he has any children? Wonder if he ever had a job? Did he go to school? What's going on? Wonder. Bum. He's trying to sponge off society. If I give him some money, wonder what he'll do with it. And I could go on and on and on. The twelve, having dinner with Jesus one night, Mary Magdalene comes in. The Bible says a lady that was a prostitute and was demon possessed. And she falls down at the feet of Jesus and starts worshiping Him. And they were so consumed with what Mary Magdalene was that they could not focus on on what was happening. A previous uh, wicked, demon-possessed person is now bowing before the Son of God in worship. The older brother, you know, he hadn't seen his brother possibly in years. And he comes back home. And the older brother... He can't see the miracle of the return of his brother. All he can focus on are the previous wounds and the wrong that was done. And I could go on and on. Mary and Martha. Why is my sister not helping? I'll tell you why she's not helping because she knows that she only has a brief time to listen to Jesus one-on-one, and she doesn't want to waste it. To Hades with the food. We'll eat some other time. I want her in here helping me. And she's blind. She's blinded to
2: what's going on.
0: Because her focus is somewhere
2: else. We do it in the future too, don't we? Those are all like in the present, in the past. Those examples are in the present in the past in those people's lives but we do it forward as well i think you know i'm I'm hyper focused on the negative or the sad or the weird or the scary today because what might it look like in 10 years what might it look like in 10 minutes what might it look like you know so so i i clutch those around me and squeeze real hard and hunker down is if i (laughs) is if that's going to change one thing in the future except for make these people that i'm around more neurotic and scared of the future Yes. So I think it, it works in yes past present yes, and future. You
0: just that's that's so important and true and wise. Yes it Well and it Throughout taints, time, yeah. and it taints. We literally taint the perspective of those that we care the most about. Um everyone in this room has Lives that are filled with problems and pains and failures and wounds and wrongs and uh, people that irritate the crud out of you, people that have wronged you. Uh, everybody in here has unfulfilled dreams. No one's exempt, as your dear mentor says, if you live long enough, you get a turn. Um, but as Tommy reminded us, in the midst of of the problems in our lives. We can choose to focus on the the good things, the, the blessings, things that give us joy if we'll just open our eyes. It's not that we're trying to pretend we don't have hurt and pain. It's just that, it's hope. It's what August was talking about. It's the hope that God is going to give me good things amidst the the bad things. And this hope that one day it's going to be even better. Um... I just wanted to... Tommy testified to his thankfulness for the eternal life that his grandson was given. I just want to testify. My wife was teasing me the other day. Um, We went to this little uh, grandparent day thing at my grandson's school. And... uh,
2: Grandparent's day, yeah, for grand, grandparent's day.
0: yeah. Well, uh, it's all what they what they want you to give money. I mean, that's the end of the day. That's what it is. Oh, you're a great. You're, no, no, no. <laughs> Bring your checkbook. That's that's the whole deal. And, and I was about halfway, uh, not annoyed, but it just I was I, I saw exactly what was going on. <laughs> and uh, we we walk in to see his room and you know and all the stuff and. He, you know, And then we go to this little chapel. They have chapel. And, and y'all, we went in this chapel and uh, service and um, right in front of my eyes, my, it was the simplest, most unpretentious thing you've ever seen. It was no, nobody, I don't think anybody in the room Maybe some other people did. I hope so. But I looked over and my grandson was sitting between the two of us and he was quoting the Apostles' Creed. Seven years old. He was quoting the Lord's Prayer. He was singing these deep, rich, ancient hymns that he had been listening to and participating in for weeks and months. Um, And man, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. What a blessing, what a blessing. Um, And I just stood there and I cried the entire chapel. I couldn't help it. It just, it was just a blessing to see my little seven-year-old grandson there was, there was no show. There was no, it, it was just, it was the most lovely, simple thing uh, that I've seen in a long time. And I was just, I was grateful. I was thankful that that was being invested um, in his life. Uh, I'm going to talk about this next week, but I said it, I mentioned it last week, and I'm going to mention it again today, and then I'm going to talk about it next week. Um, I have been praying about something for six months. I mean, every dead-gum-day. More. And I've been working um, harder than I've worked in a long time along with my prayers. And um, there was this moment, four or five months ago, where I had this. This I thought, oh my gosh, God has answered this prayer, and and it's, you know, praise the Lord, this is what I, uh, this is what I believe is right and good and best, and God, we need you to do this, and dang it if God didn't do it, and um, yay. And over the period of about, I don't know, a month or two months, uh, there came a point where, I, where literally I was told, no, this is not going to happen. No, it, your request has been denied. That was the word, denied. No, we're thinking about it. We're, you know, we're praying about it. We're going to check. Mm-mm. Your request has been denied. And I, Shirley will tell you, can't fight City Hall. And so I just laid that down and left, I buried that. I thought that was what we were supposed to do. I asked the Lord to do it. I thought He did it. And I was told no. And I buried that. And then, what Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Literally, out of the blue, I get an email from this lady that said, your request has been denied.
2: And she was not mean. She was not. She just... In fact, more than that, it was. it's formulaic, right? I mean, it's like a stock response. Yeah. Nope. It's not even, oh, so sorry. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it happens. And... Um, she, she sent me this te-
0: email and she just said, um, after further investigation and discussion with the, the people that would be involved, um, your request has been approved. I cannot express the... the, the provi- God's provision concerning the need took my breath away. I had to sit down and just stop for just a second. It was such a such a deal. It was such a huge example of provision and but it was so much more than that. I took it as just an indication from God that He still hears and answers my prayers. Maybe you never worry about that. Maybe that thought doesn't cross your mind. But I can go through seasons where God... I don't struggle that you're here but are you listening I know you care but I don't know and it was just a huge blessing for me to be reminded in a very practical way that God hears and answers my prayers And, uh, I don't know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, it's just easy for us to forget that we have been given an intimate, personal relationship with the God of Abraham and the God of Moses and the God of David. That I know and am indwelt by the very same God that those people, and Ruth, and Esther, and Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of Jesus—that that God lives in me. That He He does hear my prayers, and He is at work in response to what I'm praying about. And even better than that, I just read it today, He is continually before His Father making intercession for us. It's one thing for me to pray for myself or even for you to pray for me. Thanks. But for Jesus to say, Dad, That's a deal. That's a deal. And for us to be given that, that that we've been given a copy of the Scriptures that we can read and it's filled with the promises of God and with examples of who God is and what He's like and um, that we've been given people who actually care about us. I mean, for you to have anybody in your life who genuinely cares about you. They know you, and they still like you, and they still care about you, and put up with you. To know that, I mean, she knows me better than anybody on the planet. And she... She does put up with me every day. But she still cares about me. She still wants to go to New Orleans with me. And uh, that's a, that, I take that very um, seriously. To know that I've been given God's promise that no matter what you do to me, you, you have the power, Jerry Bowden, to wrong me, to hurt me. But you do not have the power to keep God from using that hurt and wrong ultimately for my good. There's not a person on the planet that can stay God's hand from taking whatever you might do to me and ultimately using it for my good.
2: I wonder if this Worrisome, scared, negative view of things cautious, overly cautious uh, view of things isn't such a um, -- I want to use the word idol," but such a such a draw that to even consider giving it up seems ridiculous.
0: Irresponsible, almost.
2: Well, what about? What about? Right, right. What about? Well, if you think about it, I don't know what yours would be, but most of those things are out of our control anyway, right. <laughs> to yes. a large degree, yes. many of them. Yes. <clears throat> and so, how how absurd is it to spend my energy with those who are around me and over whom I have maybe a tad bit of influence, like children or grandchildren? For them to know me as a person who talks about loving God and trusting God. But really, I am bowing to the, to the idol of the world.
0: Yes. It's sobering. You know, just the blessing... Of knowing that we're a part of something that's gonna ultimately last and that we get to win. It's already won. You know, she spends every stinking weekend watching these goofball teams uh, play these silly games and, uh, you know, who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? You know, and sometimes the person she likes wins and sometimes the person she
2: likes doesn't win. No one thought Michigan would win. Mm-hmm.
0: I I promise, I didn't think Michigan Michigan was going to win. I didn't even know they played. Um, But to be, I was reminded, I read Daniel chapter 3 this morning. Chuck and I read Daniel chapter 3 this morning. Uh, Chapter 2 and 3. And uh, Daniel chapter 2, just this morning, I was getting ready to come be with y'all. Nebuchadnezzar, one of the most wicked men that have ever lived. He has this dream, this this, uh, statue, and it's made of different ingredients or materials, and part of it's gold and silver and bronze and uh, iron and clay and all this stuff. And each material represents a different huge world kingdom. And um, God gave this dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel explained it to him. And the end of the dream was this. One day, God is going to cut a stone out of a mountain. And he's going to take that stone and smash all those kingdoms. And out of that mountain, a kingdom is going to Uh -uh. be created that will last forever Tommy's grandson is a part of that kingdom that's going to last forever I'm a part of that kingdom that's going to last forever doesn't mean those kingdoms aren't going to operate doesn't mean they're not going to have influence it doesn't mean that they're going to not you know, whatever but at the end of the day The kingdoms of the world, including your precious United States of America and my precious United States of America, they're going to be blown away like the dust. And what's going to last, what's going to matter, who's going to win are the people that are a part of that kingdom that's made out of that stone, that rock. We all... There's not a person in this room that has a life absent of problems and pains. But there's also not a person in this room that doesn't have a life... or that has a life absent of blessings. We get to choose where we spend the lion's share of our focus. On the problems or on the blessings. And... Um, The point of that article that we started off with is what I choose to focus on the most doesn't just influence me it influences those around me they sense it they feel it they hear it they see it and um, I think if we focus more on the blessings we look for the blessings we enjoy the blessings we give thanks for the blessings. We share the blessings. The more we choose to do that, the more hope we have for a bright future. Uh, and I think that's a a word worthy for us to consider and ponder and embrace. I think it's a word from our Savior. Anything you want to add,
2: Buddy Bear? Nope. Okay. We're
0: going to take the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to read something to you. Just to prepare. You listen to this. This is from Henry Nowen. One of my heroes. He's talking about Christian community. And he says this, Christian community is the place where we keep the flame of hope alive among us and take it seriously so that it can grow and become stronger in us. In this way, we can live with courage, trusting that there is a spiritual power in us when we are together, that allows us to live in this world without surrendering to the powerful forces constantly seducing us toward despair. This is how we dare to say that God is a God of love even when we see hatred all around us. This is why we can claim that God is a God of life even when we see death and destruction and agony all around us. We say it together. We affirm it in each other. Waiting together, nurturing what has already begun and expecting its fulfillment. Christian community. Christ Community Church. us gathering together on a regular basis not just to do a duty or check off some spiritual thing or obey a law um, but we gather together as a community to declare to one another this is real This matters. God is still changing lives. He's changed minds before and I'm hoping He'll change it again. And I'm hoping He'll change your life too. That gathering together, it gives our hope, our prayers, our desires power. It's important that we do that. It's important that we celebrate the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus together. Our declaration, His life, death, burial, and resurrection, that saved me and it changed my life. And it's my hope for eternity. It's important that we see that declaration in each other's lives. It gives us strength in our hope. I just want you to think about that. Um, John and Larry, y'all come up here and help me, please. Now don't grab a sleigh; grab the grab the Lord's Supper. We're gonna eat and drink that which symbolizes our Savior's body and blood, and we do that just. To declare and remember the unspeakable gift that was given to us. Um, Maybe when we were, how old did you say? Nine? Nine, Daddy? How old is he? Nine. Maybe it was nine years old. I was 18 when I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And he came into my life. And it hadn't been peaches and green, but it's, it's been a journey that I wouldn't swap for anything in the world. And so if, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and you have a desire to just once again declare to yourself and to those around you, He's my Savior. I'm trusting in Him. You come and you eat and drink. You can take bread from me and there's real wine in open cups or there's the little covered kind if you'd prefer that that has the bread included. So you come. Mm-hmm.